0: We're going to be in Mark, but I don't have a lot to read. I've got scripture throughout Mark that we're going to be looking at. There's only one verse at the very beginning that we need for this, and then we're going to bounce all over Mark and Acts as well, not just Mark, um, but we'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, I want to open up like we did last week, and again, this is first person the way this guy wrote it. I love it. He's very creative. This pastor very creative uh, when he done this, and I and I hope. Um, Seattle, Washington, I don't know how they know my warranty's expired all the way out there, but <laughs> but it is, evidently, um, so again, it's first person, and uh, you guys will like this, there's a lot about Mark that we're going to look at tonight that most people don't know about, uh, and it's, it makes for a good study, and it, it really makes your wheels turn uh, when you read Mark, again, the, the whole gospel, um, the gospels, all four of them are, are great that's one of the things i like to do when i travel is i like to pick a book of the bible especially if i'm flying international i like to pick a book of the bible and kind of read through it slowly as i travel as i fly um and it just you know it helps calm my nerves i'm i'm a little weird that way but it helps calm me except the book of revelation that was not a, that wasn't the best thing to read on my first trip to haiti my first international trip i'm trying to get through revelation and i come off more scared than i was when i got on the plane it didn't help my nerves <laughs> Um, but he starts out, he says, my name is John Mark, and I focused on, that's not, John Mark is not the pastor, John Mark is actually Mark. My name is John Mark, and I focused on the fact that Jesus was born to give his life. I have two first names, John is my Hebrew name, which means grace of God, and Marcus, or Mark, is my Roman name, which means the hammer. So I guess I was the holy hammer, that's what he referred to himself as, <laughs> the holy hammer. Like Matthew and John, I had the privilege of writing an A narrative about Jesus, which was uh, how, which has come to be known as the gospel according to Mark. And then he says, just like Matthew did last week, actually, my name, or I'm with Matthew on this. I'm not, it's not my gospel, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. I had the privilege of painting a portrait of Christ from my perspective. This is where it gets good. Uh, And this is why I like book of Mark, especially when it comes to the crucifixion and when it comes to his death. Um, he said, I've taken some grief because people say I skipped Christmas. It's not that I didn't think his birth was important. I just let Matthew and Luke handle those details. I decided to emphasize on how Jesus was a conqueror of, de- of disasters, demons, disease, and death. And, th- and he's right. You know, we've all read the book of Mark, especially when it comes down to uh, crucifixion resurrection. And that's what he done. He came as a conqueror. We study... Uh, Matthew and Luke, and we see that birth, and and it's not very long, um, but Mark, and well, all four of them, when it comes to the gospels, they all focused on those four things: too disasters, demons, disease, and death, and how he conquered them all, especially the death part. Uh, and so that's what Mark did; is he focused on that, uh, and he goes kind of a little personal here. He says, "I didn't really know my dad, but and this is all true, um, but I was very close to my mom. Her name was Mary, as if there weren't enough Marys in the Bible." We lived in a one of the largest homes in Jerusalem and had a lot of people uh, over at different times. And that's true, and they found his house, Mark's house, and uh, his mom's house, actually. It's there. They found the, the ruins of it, but it's still in existence over there, uh, which I thought was pretty neat. He says, Peter and I are really close because he's the one that led me to faith in Jesus. In First Peter 5.13, he calls me his spiritual son. After I was saved, I spent a lot of time with him, taking notes and listening to all the stories about the Savior. Uh, one of my purposes in writing was to encourage the Christians in Rome who were being persecuted for their faith. And so the book of Mark, um, we as the, the New Testament church can take this and really use it nowadays because of the persecution that the current church is going through. Now, I, the persecution he's talking about from the Romans is, um, was actually them being killed. It's the Romans slaying the Christians uh, and the torture and all that stuff that was going on. But we can take this this book and, and I still apply it, you know, like all the rest of the 65, s- apply it to our lives because of the persecution, the fi- not the physical, but the emotional persecution that we go through because we go through it. There's no way um, we're not exempt from it. The Bible's never said that we'd ever be exempt from any persecution. And uh, the more that we serve him, the more that we do for Jesus, uh, the more that we're going to be persecuted. So Mark is a really good book to study and and to get peace. It, it um and I use it I probably teach more out of Mark with the yes club um than I do any other book because I feel like there's so much there for the kids. It's written on a level. It's re- <laughs> I've always said Mark must have had ADHD because he he wrote this for people that had attention deficit disorder. <laughs> The ADD, um, the way he, I don't know, just the way he writes. I, I like it. So it fits well with kids. I can go through and study this with the kids, and they can get it. Not that they get it uh, 100%, but they can they can grasp onto it and use it. So I love to use the Book of Mark for the kids. Um, he said, I understand that some of, and he's talking about the war on Christmas. That, I don't know, when did that that phrase start? Was it when Bush went in? The war on Christmas, I think, was around early 2000s, I'm, I'm, I can't remember exactly when it, but that, that term war on Christmas has really stood out a lot here over the past few years especially. Um, I don't like the term, but it is it is it is what it is. Like I talked about last week, you know, with that um, the church in uh, Florida allowing the, the satanic cult to put up their little box, their little display of an angel falling into hell. Um, I don't agree with it. I don't think that's right. Uh, so we are being persecuted, and I feel like um, uh, we're we're losing as the church right now. We're not standing uh, firm like we're supposed to.
1: It'd get worse.
0: Oh, we're still falling away. Get worse. It will. There'll be a. It's a falling away now, but the, the, when the great falling away hits, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be bad. Hopefully, we'll be gone by then. Rapture, not death. But it was uh, He's talking about war on Christmas. Said, But it was nothing like what was happening in Rome in the first century when Christians were being tortured and killed for their confession of Christ under the rule of Nero. I really wanted Christians to stay strong in the faith face of these fight, these trials, so I hoped my book would build them up. People need to be reminded to persevere and not lose heart when they're hurting. Following Christ is costly but totally worth it. And I guess that's one of the reasons I, I like the, the book of Mark with the kids is um, the things that they experience in school, the persecution they feel like they have, uh, and the bullying and things that go on in the school. Uh, the way that Mark wrote this, back to the church and back to the Christians being persecuted, helps encourage the kids. Did that CD not work? No. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I'm done. I don't know, actually. after I, I don't know. No at one point. But it could possibly be. Was James cussing me? I don't know. Just say yes it's broke um, so he, here's a, a few little things about him that I want to look at um, Mark focused more on the works of Jesus and less on his words he said my account has more miracles than message I was interested in showing both his strength and his servanthood and I wanted people to, to be wowed by what he did not just moved by his words uh, that he declared a child can understand what I wrote and yet there's plenty of depth For those who have to dive deep. My style is no, I'm skipping that. I love that Jesus moved quickly to meet needs. One of my favorite words is translated in your in our Bibles, King James, as immediately or straightway. If you ever get the time, next time you read through Mark, think about every time he says straightway. That's what we read is straightway, which means immediately. He wrote it forty two times. In Mark 42, straight away. He went. I love the word straight away. I had preacher Leonard Fletcher preached on that one time. Straight away. Jesus didn't stop. He went straight to them. He went. He came straight to us and, and met us. But Mark really emphasized that. Nobody else done that. Nobody else talked about how Jesus went straight away, how Jesus went straight to the, the problem or the situation. Gospel of Luke, which is much longer, only uses it immediately or straight away seven times. So he calls his book, my my book is being called A Moving Picture of the Ministry of Jesus, and it is. Uh, Mark Mark is a, like a motion picture, a moving picture of the ministry of what Jesus done. Each one of the four Gospels is written totally different and a different point of view, of course, but like John, one of the reasons I like John so good is because John is layered. John layers his writings down to, I mean, it's you have to pick it apart because of his heritage. you you have to get down. I mean, you read the top of it, but there's so much depth under what John writes. So they're all, all four different. Uh, but uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'd call Mark the action gospel or not, but it, there's a lot in there. Um, and the third thing he said here is, I used a vivid language to show that Jesus uh, is our substitute. While I emphasized his serving, I also focused on his suffering and sacrificial death. Early on in the book in uh chapter three, verse six, he described a plot to kill Jesus of all that Jesus did or all that Jesus said, what I recorded in ten uh, verse ten I'm sorry chapter ten verse forty five sums it up well he says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus was born in order to die and I, I think I preached on that here maybe last year year before last one um, and that's that's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people, the fact that he was born to die. Now, we were all born to die. I mean, we're all going to die. We're born, and that's when our clock starts ticking, and we're going to die. But Jesus had to be born so that he could die for the rest of us, for all of us. And that doesn't make sense to a lot of people. People don't understand how um, how our God could give his son to die for us it don't make sense and it is hard to understand um it's one of those things that um, we'll we'll know later on we'll understand it more but we do know but we do know that he died for us we do know that through faith um and so uh he was that substitute he had to to stand in the gap for us and and he had to conquer our sin but he was born to die and if nobody gets anything else out of Christmas, I hope people understand that that gift was born to die. He was born just to serve for thirty three and a half years and and then he was he was to die for us. Um, he said this really this is really the dividing line of the book. Up to this verse, the emphasis is on Jesus as the selfless servant. From this point forward, the focus is on him. As our suffering substitute, it might help to remember that the Savior did what the Savior did by spelling out this way. Now he broke this down three ways, and you guys will like this. I, I liked how he wrote this: servanthood, substitution, and satisfaction. So the servanthood, Jesus came to serve. He is the supreme example of self-serving, selfless serving. Uh, substitution: the phrase to get gi- uh, to give his life means for you. So when you when we read that, to give his life or he gave his life, it means for you or in your place. So he stood in for you and for me. He took our sins to the cross and then took the punishment uh, for you and for us, the punishment we deserve. So he was that, what he called there, the substitute. He did. He took my place on that cross. I think we all understand that. I hope we understand that, that we all should have been on that cross. We all should have been the one crucified for for that sin and all that we have in us, that the, as good a life as we try to live for Jesus and uh, to be that Christian that he's called us to be, um, we still are not good enough. We'll never be that good. We can't. Uh, but Jesus was, and God knew that, and, that, and he, he formed his son perfectly, uh, sinless. I mean, really, th- there's never been and never will be anything, anyone like him, sinless. Born sinless, died sinless. We're born sinless, but just <laughs> don't take us, but just a few short days <laughs> or weeks <laughs> to get that sin in us, and we're ruined. We're ruined, and I I hate it. I, I hate that sin, and I hate, I hate seeing sin develop. Um, and I say that because we've all had kids, <laughs> and we can say, I mean, it really, do you not watch sin develop in your child? I hate to say it. Sorry, Hunter. You're not as perfect as you think you are. No, we, we do see this, and I see, and it makes me sick. And and I'll, I'll be honest, with you, I've, I've been, I'm having, I'm really having to watch Abby right now. She's, I mean, she's getting, she's 13 now, so she's testing the water with us right now. And it's going to get worse. I know. I don't need your input. <laughs> <laughs> I fit, right uh, in. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm really, I'm, I, I'm not struggling. I'm having a hard time dealing with some of the things that she, she does and says, but um, I'm, I'm getting through it. But I'm watching sin grow. I'm watching it manifest in her, and, and I don't like that part of it, When and we're fixing it. But I've never, she's my first, she's my firstborn. I, I've never watched sin develop like this. And it Christmas happens.
1: time shows up more problems in life than any yeah. other time that you've got. <coughs> yep. It's been
0: yeah. Yes. It's ugly. The ugly side of people comes out at what's supposed to be the most beautiful time of year. It's so when all the ugliness shows up. But again, we're we're uh, we watch it. We're we're born sinless, and then we're we just start developing it, and then it just, just, it can get worse. Um, but once we're saved, not that it gets, not that we become perfect, but at least we, we become forgiven once we get to that point. Um, and the last one is satisfaction. Jesus satisfied the payment for sin. In the ancient world, slaves were routinely bought and sold, and the only way to be freed from slaver, slavery was for someone to pay the ransom price. Ransom brings release and new ownership. So Jesus bought us took us off the market of sin and made us his very own. And I wish Mark had really written that down in the Bible because that's a pretty good way to to phrase that when you really stop and think about slavery. That's what we were. We're slaves to sin, but Jesus paid the ransom to free us from that. Uh, And he goes on, he says, If I ignored Christmas, it's because I wanted to emphasize the crucifixion. If I could meddle for just a moment, the Bible puts the focus not on his birth, but on his death. And we read, and and you go back in Isaiah and and Micah, and you go back into what the Old Testament prophets were preaching, and were telling us, they fulfilled it all. But they also, they didn't just talk about that birth. They didn't talk about the birth of the Messiah. The the prophets talked about the death as well. Uh, And it was uh, one of those things that everyone... The Bible itself, I guess this is back up and say it. The Bible itself focuses on the death and resurrection more than anything. That's that is what that is what Jesus is. He is the death and the resurrection for us. And I understand after reading Mark and reading this take of it, um, I understand it more why someone would want to focus on that death and resurrection because that is where my salvation is. That's how I got saved. I wasn't saved through his birth. I didn't put my faith and trust in his birth. I don't know anybody that does that. I don't know any Baptist that does that anyway. Catholics may do it. I don't know. But I, I know that my faith and my trust is in his death and his resurrection. And I, I believe 100% who he is. I believe 100% that he was born of that virgin. I, I, I do believe that. I know he was. Uh, but I also know that he died and was resurrected as well. And and that's what matters. And, that's again, that's why Mark put his focus on On that, that's the importance of his birth, is that he he did die with sacrifice. Um, He said, we're told to remember his death, but nowhere are we told to remember his birth, as important as that might be. My fear for you 2,000 years later is that while you give some attention to the baby in the cradle, your culture has forgotten the cross and the fact that he's coming again. The cradle must move us to the cross, and the cross must move us to the crown." He came to die as a savior, as savior, and he's coming again as king. And he's right. We need to move away. Once we go through this Christmas season, we've got to get away from the cradle. And we have to start looking at that cross. I mean, you know, it's only, what, four months after we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating his death and his resurrection. And we've got to make sure that the churches, not just this church here, but the church in general, puts that focus on Jesus at the cross and at the tomb and that resurrection and stay away f- from focusing so much on this birth. Um, nothing, nothing against the birth. I'm not, I won't go there about that. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that we, we tend to focus on what we talked about last week. We tend to focus on those three gifts. We fo- focus on the gold, frankincense, and myrrh and receiving of the presents more than we focus on Christ himself, Um, and like we preached on Sunday, um, people don't focus on that baby in the manger. They focus on the the three gifts that the wise men brought to him later on. Oh, Angie ain't in here. I can't pick on her. She's so mad at me. Angie's mad. I ruined her Christmas. Her whole childhood childhood, I just destroyed last week. We (laughs) were talking about the wise men coming a couple years later. She said, I never knew that. And, and I said, You know there's more than three, right? And she said, No, I didn't And I said, You know they're not kings, right? And she said, No, stop. <laughs> it makes
1: the plays come out. It does. Good. It does <laughs> exactly what they
0: do we, okay. we sat in here Sunday after everybody's gone because we went to work and left and abandoned us here. Um we didn't leave here like 1.30. Like it's just me and the girls sat here. <laughs> Fellowship. You no, she drove, she went to work and left us here. <laughs> No, Paisley's in there eating sausage. So <laughs> I didn't want to leave.
1: How long you
0: No, she came back, guys. Anyway, um, we had me and Ann sat down and had to talk about that Sunday evening uh, about the way that, that the Bible reads and how it is so easy to to lump it together and not know there was a break in there. And it's nothing against it. I told her because she asked about taking it out here, and I said, Well, no, we're not taking that out. We, we can't. We can't wait two years to bring the wise men in. <laughs> They'll forget their parts by then. Um, all right, so, so that's why I took about five chapters to cover Jesus' two, two years of ministry in Galilee and five chapters at the end of the book to cover his final two months in Jerusalem. I don't apologize for giving so much attention to his betrayal, his trial, his death, and his resurrection because that's what was and is most important. So if you look at how Matthew... And Luke, they emphasized the, the not, and they wasn't that they didn't emphasize it that much, but they, they really focused on his birth for uh, the first little bit of their books, um, or chapter one for Matthew and two for for Luke. But um, when when in in uh, the spring at Easter, where do we preach out of? Where do we typically go when it comes to the resurrection and the death of Jesus? We will go to Mark, because the way that he writes that. I like John. I like John's account of it. But Mark is where you go to get the blood, guts, and barbecue sauce of things. That's where, that's the gruesome side of it. But he's very detailed. And um, I like that about him. I like his detail. It it shows the human side of Jesus. When you look at Matthew and you look at Luke, you see the spiritual side. You see God's son. As being uh, placed inside Mary, the Virgin Mary, you see the the spiritual side of it, the Holy Ghost side of it. You see uh, the miracle, but then you go to the the death of Jesus, and you see in Mark, uh, you you see the human side of him, and you see the way not. And I'm talk, I start at the beginning. Go to the betrayal. Go to when he was betrayed by Judas, and the emotion that that Mark puts into that. Uh, and and you read it and you it just it, it starts ripping your heart out and then you look at the the false trial and you look at uh the way that he was beaten and all that took place um it really works on your heart when when you read Mark's take on it um and I like that because I believe if it had been sugar coated I believe there'd be a lot of people out there that wouldn't believe it the the way that, that they should so he puts a lot of detail into that and the emphasis on that um What do you say here? Some of you think that since I took a pass on Christmas that you can just skip my book, and a lot of people do. I know that I'll have a hard time convincing you to read it before Christmas because you'll want to focus on Matthew and Luke, so allow me to quote the very first verse. Maybe it will uh, wet your whistle and your appetite for more. Now look at chapter 1, verse 1, the very first thing that it says. In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There it is. There's your Christmas story, according to Mark. I like it. The begin, It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So that's it. That's the very beginning. Uh, he said, I know this is a pretty unexpected way to begin a book, but I, at least I didn't start with a bunch of hard-to-pronounce names like Matthew. The Son of God summed it up right there. Everything Matthew wrote, everything that Luke wrote down, Mark just summed it up, Son of God didn't have to talk about Mary or Joseph or a manger or cattle or sheep or a bunch of wise guys coming in or nothing. He just says the Son of God and wrapped it up right there. And then he goes on into John, uh, about, talking about John, and then he gets right on into his ministry, Jesus' ministry, John and Jesus' ministry there. He said the word beginning can refer to the cause or ahead of something. Jesus is before all things, as John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word. Beginning can mean the start of something, like a road. The gospel is the good news of Jesus. And he says, my words mark the start of the good news, acknowledging that Jesus is also the head of all things. And and he is. He is the head of the church. Is he not the head of the church? That is what he is. I, I, he is. It is no, There is no human being the head of the church. The pope is not the head he might be the head of he might be the mayor of the vatican or whatever he is over there but in my book jesus is the head of the church he will be and will always be the head of the church um and at any point a church starts to put their pastor or their leadership up on a pedestal above jesus that church will fall it will it's it's then marked itself for a hard fall um And like he said, or like John said, the beginning of the gospel, I'm sorry, in the beginning was the word. And we're going to make the word the head, and the head of the house, the head of his house here. Now, Mark says, uh, he looks at three different things here, his person, his position, and his power. His person, he's talking about his name. His name is Jesus, which in Hebrew is Yeshua, or one who saves. And that's a good one to, to focus on. There's no other. There's no other Yeshua out there. There's, there. there's nowhere in the Old or the New Testament out there where there's more than one Yeshua. It is just Jesus because nobody else can save. Why would you put a name like that on anybody else when there's only one that could save? So it's just Jesus, just him. And then he's talking about his position, and it's his title is Christ, which means the anointed one or the Messiah. Again, there's only one. Now, when the Antichrist comes, he's going to, We've, we've talked about that for the past several months. He's going to try to claim a lot of these things, but there is only one, and that was Jesus. It is Jesus. And then we look at his power, and it's, we know that he's no ordinary man. He is the Son of God, and he has all power. We've seen it. And when you read the Gospels, when, and even in Mark, you go through and you look at what he's done. We look at his miracles and all the things that he's done. He has God's power. He has all the power. So we know, we know who he is, and we know that he has that power. And we know that He can give us that power, uh, not that power. <laughs> he gives us the Holy Spirit, and, and through that, and through prayer, and and uh, and reading of the Scripture, and supplication, all the things that we can do, uh, He answers and He uses us. He, he grants us uh, knowledge sometimes, and He's going to give us power to go and do, and and to. Uh, I'm not gonna say I'm not going to say we're laying hands on. I'm not laying hands on nobody. I. I ain't, rabbi hen or I ain't i ain't no hen i ain't benny hen i ain't gonna be casting my coat off or nothing like that but he gives us the bible tells us that he gives us all power and he gave them all power uh, back in those days you know he gave them enough power where they could if they had enough faith they could have cast out demons but they didn't have much faith there a little, uh, for a while um now he says matthew thinks I didn't use enough of the Old Testament, but I did quote from both Isaiah and Malachi in the very first chapter as a way to introduce John the Baptist. At the height of his ministry, he was the most popular guy in town, and everybody flocked to him. But when Jesus came on the scene, everything changed. John stepped down so Jesus could be lifted up. And he said, I wrote a message in verse 7. It said, There cometh one mightier than I after me that latcheth, uh, it says, The latcheth of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. And that's a good model for all of us right there. We're not worthy. I, I, I've always said that, and I'll, I'll stick with it. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy enough for anything that he's ever given me. Nothing. I'm not even, in my, my mind, my heart, I don't feel like I'm even worthy enough for that salvation that he's given me. I'm just an old, dirty sinner. I should be in hell. But Jesus said, no, no, I'll, I'll, you up. I'll make you. I'll make you mine. But I like how John wrote that. John said that I ain't worthy enough to unlatch his shoes. You know, untie his shoes. I can't even the old them air Moses that he was wearing there. He, he said I can't even unlatch his his sandals. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not. I. I but he said, Yeah, you are. You are. Now I want to look at Mark just a little bit more, a little bit more about him, um, because there were some things in here that I was reading, that I was studying that um, it it really struck me in in a good way, things I didn't know about him. Uh, he said that one of the things he said is I fled from from Jesus. Um, wait a minute, back up here. He said he failed Jesus twice. First, he fled from Jesus on the night before he was crucified. I watched Jesus make his way to the Mount of Olives. I followed from a distance and saw him pray in agony while the others slept. When Judas and the soldiers appeared, I hid behind a tree. I'm embarrassed to tell you what happened next, so I'll just let you read the, the words. Y'all y'all know what happened. Anybody want to take a wild guess? He was naked. They stripped him. Over in chapter 14, verse 51-52, it says, And there followed him a certain young man, Mark, and having a linen cloth cast about his naked body, the young man laid hold on him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. That was Mark hiding. And when the soldiers grabbed a hold of that linen, his clothes ripped it off, <laughs> he took off streaking, streaking in Jerusalem. That was Mark. um, and it, But he ran. He was, I don't know if he was ashamed. I, I don't know how to, how to, to phrase it, but not ashamed of being naked, but he was. I think at one point he was scared and ashamed. He was scared because I think he knew what was getting ready to happen. When you see a herd of soldiers, Roman soldiers coming after somebody, um, that would probably scare you. I mean, you think about uh, what if we was here doing having church, and and for some reason, I pray this never happens, but the military shows up here and to to shut the church down because we can't worship anymore. I would say one or two may run from the church. They may run, not from the church, but they would run out of fear that something might happen to them. That's probably Mark here, was probably afraid something was going to happen to him. Um, Like I've I've said before, when I was over in in the Garden of Gethsemane and you actually get to see where Jesus was and you get to see Jerusalem, they seen those soldiers coming from a distance, they seen them coming can't remember how far it is across there, Probably not quite a mile across, but you can see straight across to it. But it was a serpentine road coming down out of Jerusalem straight to the garden where Jesus was. So Mark had a lot of time while he was hiding to probably build up a lot of fear and a lot of being scared for, um, for what could happen to him. Uh, so there was one way where he, he failed him. And the other way was uh, he said, I, I folded on Paul. Later on, after coming to faith in Christ through the preaching of Peter, I was able to, to put this behind me. Amazingly, the Apostle Paul and my cousin Barnabas wanted to take me along on a short mission trip. It's like my past didn't matter to them. In Acts thirteen five, I'm referred to as the as an assistant or a helper. I was eager to go, at first, but then things got tough. During the first stop on the island of uh, Patmos, not Patmos, Patmos. Uh, we encountered a sorcerer that really unsettled me. Paul called him out as a son of the devil and told him he would go blind for not believing in Jesus. I wasn't ready for ministry to be so messy or dangerous. So when we got to Perga, I couldn't take it anymore. I missed my house, I missed my mom, and my comfortable Christian life. He said, I folded and ran. Folding under pressure. I've seen it, and y'all, I I guarantee you, every one of us has seen it. where. A pastor or a deacon or someone that's high up in a church has so much on them that they fold and they, they run. They, they can't handle the pressure of ministry anymore, and that's what he was doing with ministry there uh, on that mission trip. You see things in ministry that you don't see when you're just sitting in a pew. There's things that go on in, in churches and on mission fields too uh, that will scare you and would scare someone that's young in the faith especially. There's no way that I could see sending someone. Uh, I'll use, I'll just use Hunter just because he's here and he's young. Hunter gets saved two months ago. I couldn't see sending Hunter straight to Papua New Guinea for two years to witness to people. That that's you can't. I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but I mean, even even Paul had to study for what 10 years or something before he actually went out and started jesus was doing a lot of studying and and a lot of work getting ready preparing for his ministry everybody's got to prepare for their ministry so mark wasn't prepared for what he's about to walk into and when that guy came to that sorcerer uh, came and paul told him that he was the son of the devil it scared him Uh, if you've ever been around any black magic whatsoever that is scary stuff um, and so, yeah. Um, from what I experienced in Haiti with black magic and, and the the voodoo stuff down there, um, we it, it shook a lot of people's faith down there because it, it's that bad, it's that real. And so, yeah, I I, I can see where Mark would run something like that. Uh, he says, "I told him I'd had enough." Then Paul blew up. I can see Paul doing that. I've read enough and said enough on Paul and through his writings and, and things that he said. Uh, Over in Acts 13.13, it says, John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. John is is actually Mark. John Mark. Um, He said, Later on, I heard that Paul wanted to take another mission trip with Barnabas. I could barely believe this, but Barnabas wanted me to join his team. But Paul wanted nothing to do with me. And now Acts 15.39 says, Paul and Barnabas became bitter at each other. This is Acts 15. It says, And the contention was so sharp between them, that they departed asunder one from the other and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. Um so they split. There was Paul I'm not going to say Paul was short tempered. Uh, he wasn't no Peter by no means, but um I'd say he, he he had enough of him. And he didn't after after Mark leaving him uh, there the first time with the sorcerer, I'd say he didn't want to see that again. Don't waste my time. You're not, I'm not going to tote you around and put the bill for all your expenses. and But Barnabas took him, and he really wanted him to go, so he took him on. But even though, he said, even though uh, it took him a while to admit it, Paul eventually realized that I mattered to his own ministry. Now, this is the part that I didn't catch until I was reading this and studying this this week. He said, listen to his words in Second Timothy 4.11. Paul wrote this right before he died. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee for he is profitable to me for the ministry. So what he said, he forgave him for Bolton. Paul forgave Mark for leaving him after after the sorcerer. He forgave him after all, and what, I think there's a, a life lesson right there for everybody. On his deathbed, he forgave him for where he felt like he'd done him wrong. Like done him wrong. Um, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would ever hold that against somebody uh, if they were scared, if they wasn't strong enough in their faith yet and knowledge of the Bible and, and, and the Word of God. Um, I would never call him a coward. I mean, if you think about it, what if he misspoke? What if he, <clears throat> he said things about Jesus that wasn't true, not because he was lying, but he just didn't know the gospel? That's a lot of pressure on somebody. If you go into a church or you go into the mission field and not being prepared for it, you could slip up and, and say some things and absolutely destroy the church. You could destroy Jesus' name. I mean, that's the last thing I'd ever want to do, is destroy his name. But it could happen. So Mark went home. I ain't going to say he went on seminary or nothing like that, but he went home, gathered his thoughts, studied the word, and was able to go back out and do what he's called to do. Um, he said, I was restored once again. That's that's really the story of Christmas. Jesus came in order to conquer my sins and to give me a whole new life. I'm so glad that the Christian life is a series of new beginnings. There's a n- unique part of my account that you might miss if you read it too fast. This is, this is something I didn't catch, so he, he wrote this. He said, I used the historical present tense over 150 times to show that Jesus is present now and will work in your life now. I'm going to read you a couple of them here that he said. Instead of writing Jesus came, he wrote Jesus comes. He wrote that. He said, "He said I, instead of saying Jesus says, no, he said instead of saying Jesus said, he says Jesus says. Jesus heals Instead of Jesus healed, Jesus did all those things in the past, but He's still doing them in the present. He saved, and He still saves today. I didn't catch that. I've never caught that. He never talked about things in the past. He talks about the things that Jesus is going to, has done and keeps doing, and that's encouraging because, again, this is all things that it's 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 in the future, and we know the Book of Revelation. Everything from before Revelation is all historical. But what we read in Revelation is actually in the future. And it's kinda yeah. like what Mark was teaching and, and wrote down here. It's all about the things in the future that God or Jesus is going to do. All the healing and the saving and everything that he done in the past he just keeps doing through the Holy Ghost. So I like I thought that's pretty neat. Pretty neat little thing there. Um so it's also been pointed out that I don't put the disciples in the best lot. I did this for two reasons. First, I wanted to show how amazing Christ is compared to them, and secondly, I wanted to show that no matter how dense they are, one time they argued about who's the greatest right after Jesus talks about serving, he said they are not disqualified from being his disciples. We're the same way now. I love that he chooses us losers to do his work, and he does. You know, they all argued, every every one of them had something to say or argue about, and and Jesus still used them, every one of them, to the end. And we're all the same. We we all have either a history, or we got short temper, or um, you know we've got a mouth on us, or no filter. That's my problem now. I ain't got no filter. I think mine broke when Abby was born. But you know we've all got something in us. But Jesus says I can still use you, just like Moses. Moses stuttered, still used him. It. it didn't matter. Look at David. Man after his own heart. All the things that he done, God still used him. And Mark emphasized that. No matter what your situation is, has been, God will still use you.
1: Well, when when you were
0: It's always been that way. When I went to Beach Valley, I about walked out of Beach Valley. I didn't know churches had problems. And I'll be honest with you, and and you're exactly right. The younger you are, you never know that churches have problems. You think church is church. This is God's house. It's perfect. Nobody argues. Nobody fights. Everybody gets along. No, (laughs) it's worse than kindergarten room sometimes, (laughs) depending on the church. Um, and it scared me, because I went into a situation that I, I didn't even know could exist in a church. And it wasn't two months after I went in. I'm calling Preacher A and I said, is is this normal? And he said, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Nobody warned me about this stuff. You know, in my ordination, he didn't say, brace yourself. <laughs> it's going to get rough. I thought it was going to be sunshine and roses. But it ain't. But God can turn it around and make something great out of it. Um, preacher Wynn Greer said one time, he said, it takes a lot of dying off to make a church grow. And, he, and he's talking about physically. He said sometimes physically some members have to go by the way of the grave, not by moving their letter, to actually get your church to grow. That's harsh, but he's he's he can be right in some churches. That's, uh, I hate to say that, but he kind of hit it there. Not that I wish anybody <laughs> would die off. That, that was... Preacher, we did come down and preach that. Uh, Perils of a young pastor is one of, one of his messages. I've still got it recorded. Great sermon, and he talked about that. I'd I'd love to hear some of the stories from your dad at some point <laughs> back in the day, the things that he experienced and had to go through. I can't I can't imagine back then. It, I don't know that things were as bad back then as they are now. There's a lot more stuff brought into church, but still probably pretty bad. Yeah. You probably know thing or two about a thing or two (laughs) um let me keep going here so it's one i'm going to wrap up with this right here um he said people were never bored with jesus there there's no way to just ignore to just ignore him he either made you angry or you were astonished you were amazed or you were in awe you fought against him or you put your faith in him you rejected him or you'll receive him there's no middle ground. And then he gave a list of, of things here that I want to read, and then we'll, we'll finish up with this. And it starts at the very beginning, mm-hmm. in chapter 1, verse 27. said, they were all amazed and questioned among themselves. Chapter 2 says they were amazed and glorified God. Chapter 4 said they feared exceedingly. Chapter 5 said he ran and worshiped. Chapter 5 also said that uh, when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Chapter 5 said they were overcome with great amazement. Chapter 6, astonished. Chapter 6 again said they were offended. Chapter 6 says all saw and were troubled. Chapter 6 says they were afraid. Chapter 6 also says they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. Chapter 6 says the people ran. Chapter 7 said astonished beyond measure. Chapter 10, several of these are chapter 10, he he was sad and went away sorrowful. The disciples were astonished. They were greatly astonished. They were amazed and afraid. Chapter 11 said the scribes feared him because all, all the people were astonished. Chapter 12 said, and they marveled at him. Chapter 12 also said, no one dared to question him. And that's Mark's take on it. But it's still the same in 2019. There's still people absolutely terrified of Jesus. I think most of the time it's because they don't want to change their ways. You you have people out there that are so set on their addictions, whatever addiction, you throw whatever you want to in that, they're so in love with that addiction that they're scared of what Jesus would do for them. And I'm scared of what's going to happen to them if Jesus don't do something for them. The, the predicament that they're getting themselves into the lifestyle is going to kill them. If they, but they, if they've just turned, if they just turn away. But people are afraid of them. Um, we talk about being amazed. If we read all those all those uh, references in there about being amazed. I'm still amazed. It's 2019. Well, it's over 2,000 years ago since uh, any of this happened with the Gospels, and He's still working. I'm amazed. That you come out on Sunday and you still hear about people being saved. I'm amazed that you go into the hospital and you see people walking out. Sharon was a, a prime example. Uh, Monday, uh, they were pretty sure she was eat up with cancer. She's clean. I'm amazed that things like that happens. But why should I? Why, why would I be amazed? Because I know how good my God is and how He can fix and heal and, and do all that He can do. Why are we staying? We're in awe. I'm not going to say amazed. I'm in awe of what he does. It's still and, and nothing's ever gonna change. As long as we're still here on earth before the rapture or the, the grave, either one, there's still gonna be people are still gonna be offended by him. Look at look at what's going on right now in America. People they're all that junk going on our own. right now, they're offended by uh, by the churches and by Jesus and the mention of God's name and we gotta take it out of here, but we're gonna put it back over here. People are gonna be offended. People are still going to run. They're going to run away from it. They're going to run from him. I guess. What was that I seen the other day? It was a, <laughs> it, was a it was a sticker Sasquatch, and it said World Champion Hide and Seek. Mm-hmm. Have y'all seen that? I, it's it's funny. I I like it, but I'm thinking he's never met Jesus because <laughs> he's going to find you no matter where you go. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hide you can't get far enough under a pulpit or underneath the altar you can't get far enough in your closet or in your basement from jesus he's still going to find you he's still going to find you because the bible tells us that he he came to seek and to save that which is lost he's it's gonna so find sad. You.
1: it's so sad when something happens in someone's life and they grow bitter against god they do all of our lives.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never understood how you could get bitter at God for somebody that loves you so much, but and I think a lot of people, I've got a guy, fired for right now, is bitter at the church. It's not God, it's the church. And he says you're a bunch of hypocrites. He believes in God, but we're a bunch of hypocrites. Well,
1: we're all hypocrites.
0: <laughs> we are. <laughs> right, right? Yes, we are. It's hard. That's a hard one. He's a hard nut to crack, to be honest with you. He's a Vietnam veteran, and he's seen a lot of bad stuff. He's got you a bunch can't
1: of... not look at everybody else. Huh. You get that on your mind, you get
0: If we'd all go in with Jesus first and foremost when we walk through these doors, we would worship a whole lot differently. All of us would be this. We'd all worship differently, and we would all... Have a, if we come in here with our God eyes on, our God goggles on, I think it heard somebody say it one time, but our God, have God vision on, and when we come into these churches, we would worship totally different. But we come in with a lot of baggage. We come in with a lot of junk on our backs that we bring in instead of leaving it outside of the church. But until we start leaving that junk outside and start coming in ready to worship Him, um, we're not going to get much out of it. We've got to get our priorities in line. Uh see. That was it. That's all I had on mark.